Hey, dude, what's up? How's it going? It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, sorry I couldn't record with you on Monday. Um, allergies, dude. It's allergy season, and I had a had one of those days. I don't know if you've ever had allergies that just take you out, just take you down, drop you, and destroy you for an entire day. Uh, but that's what I had. <clears throat> so had to take a holiday. Understandable. I'm uh, a little more sympathetic this year as I'm dealing with some allergies myself not not on that level though so <laughs> but at least i at least i can kind of understand feeling better yeah yeah it, i mean you know i used to have like a lot of attacks like looking back like i don't know it all started when i moved out here to tatashina and um within like three months i think i maybe it was maybe it was a little bit more than that i got food poisoning from a, I think it was a cocky fry, so deep fried oyster that, that hadn't been thoroughly cooked maybe, and um, that was just like a whole story in and of itself. But then after recovering from that, I suddenly had allergies um, to like whatever. I, I wasn't really able to ever, I mean, you go to the doctor and you take the test and they're like this, that, and the other thing, but like, um, you know, common allergies in Japan are dani, house mites and dust. I think almost everybody who has allergies has that, but they also have allergies to like cedar and stuff. Um, I, you know, it's weird. I think mine might be related to food as well though, because like, I don't know, it always seems to be worse when I wake up in the morning, like, which is like when you're digesting your food or like right before I go to the bathroom, I'll start sneezing. It's like really weird and random. Um, but anyway, the number of cases that I've had of like, just like, I'm just sneezing all day nonstop and I can't like think about anything because it feels like there's a fog over your brain. And of course your, your nose is running, you're sneezing, you're constantly like wiping your face with a towel. And, um, the number of those that I had in a year back when I first got here would have been like 40, maybe 50 just days, just gone, just a whole day. Um, I think I probably have like five or six of those now a year at most, maybe less sometimes. I think fasting has definitely helped. So if it is related to like um, like digestion and possible like, you know, food sensitivities and stuff like that, um, just eating less often and, you know, allowing your my allowing my digestive tract to kind of like heal or whatever seems to do a lot for me. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the other day I just got nailed, dude. Um so yeah, I was out of it. My son, I've been getting like um, like swollen, itchy eyes too, which I think is uh, seasonal allergy related. And my son started getting it for the first time, uh, Asahi. So we, we have cats in the house now. We have kittens. And so Miho was wondering, <clears throat> hey, could this be related to the kittens? Could this be a cat allergy? If so, we got to get these cats out of here um, ASAP. But we took him to the doctor today, or rather she did, while I stayed at home with uh, the other girls and um, played with the kittens. Uh, and all clear on that front. So yay, we get to keep the kittens in the house. And it's been an absolute joy um, having them around. <laughs> They're just always fighting each other now and running around. I'm, I'm always afraid I'm going to step on one because they'll just run up right behind you or something. You know, like mm-hmm. you, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I saw the pictures. Uh, you know, I, I think I asked you this question like, five years ago uh you always had kind of 
semi-feral cats that you kind of feed around the around the farm. What made mm-hmm. you decide to get indoor cats? Well, it's it's been like a it's been like a long time coming. So I Okay, so we have this cat. Her name is Shirochan, not very creative, right? The white cat, <laughs> white. Um, it's pretty common actually to call your cats like the color that they are. So Shirochan, Kurochan. There's also like Tamachan, if you know. Anyway, so Shirochan. That's what I named in, the. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Never mind. That's what you named what? <laughs> oh, I had a, I had a when I was working at the elementary school, I had a stuffed seal that I would bring to class as a. As and you a call prop. it Tamachan? Yeah. Uh, Shirochan. Yeah. Oh, Shirochan. Because it's okay. it's an all white. Yeah. Anyway, there's ahead. a famous seal that used to come into Tokyo Bay that they, I think they called it Tamachan, if I remember correctly. Um, anyway, uh, Shirochan, she's she's like this. Um, we have cats that are, you know, partially like stray cats, Noroneko, mm-hmm. field cats, as they're called in Japan. Um, but she's, you know, we feed her, so she's pleasant to be around. She doesn't the the children can pet her and stuff like that. We don't let her into the house though. Sometimes they try. Anyway, so like we basically like ring a dinner bell in a sense, like by going out on the deck or whatever. Like that, the sound of the door is like the cats. There's like, there's three of them. They're they're like, oh yes, food is coming, and so we just give them our our scraps, our table scraps, and we throw it into a bowl out there. And we've been doing that for forever. Uh, it's kind of like you know the farm cats kind of thing. So I mean, there are cats, but they're semi-feral outdoor cats, and you know a couple of them don't want to. I guess we have four come to think of it the, the number fluctuates <laughs> they get they get right. killed or hit or whatever they find a better with food other cats situation. and like leave yeah. yeah we had one like this cat that we really loved called shima chan um because she had she striped there you go the creativity again uh <laughs> she <laughs> she uh she kind of ditched us and went to this other uh family maybe like three or four houses down um we were sad to see her go. We thought something might have happened to her, but um, yeah, it turns out she just uh, had some better food and they let her into the house and stuff, so some better treatment down the way. And um, yeah, so she's doing okay down there. We saw her on a walk. We we pet her and um, it was nice to see her again. She came to the house a couple times like after that, just like to, I don't know, like to come check on things. And she was already treated like an outcast, so there was like a lot of fighting going on between the cats that remained and her, like... What are, you, what are you doing here? You don't belong here anymore. It was really weird. Anyway, so the number fluctuates. We've had a, a number of cats over the years that come and go. And they all sort of come from Shirochan, which is also known as the Bake Neko, the ghost cat, because she just doesn't die. And she's always pregnant. We don't really get it. Um, <laughs> now, I, I suppose you could say that we're, we should spay this cat. Uh, we're not really taking care of our, our duties uh, as, as pet keepers. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but like, uh, my father-in-law believes in letting nature run its course. So we don't really, we take care of them. We, they don't really, I don't feel like the number gets out of control because there's things that will take them out. Like civets will take them out. You know, foxes will take them out. Gosh, we've lost cats, kittens to, to foxes. Um, anyway, she's getting really old though. We've had Shirochan forever, but she's still gets pregnant and um the last two times she got pregnant it just seems like she's so old and maybe that like she can't really give them enough nutrients so last year when she got pregnant she had three cats three kittens that were 
like their eyes were kind of filled with pus and they couldn't really open them and they seemed a little sickly and we tried to nurse them back to health while keeping them outside. Um, but like two of them just disappeared. Uh, no, they disappeared and then we found them and they had like, they had perished. So I had to bury two kittens, Mm -hmm. um, which was really sad. And then we had one more that seemed like it was going to make it. Um, we were feeding her, kind of trying to keep her, her eyes clean. And, um, she got to the point where she would like, cause it was frog season. She would go out on the deck and start hunting frogs and eating frogs. And we're like, yes. Cause like getting the others to drink milk and stuff was, that was the hurdle there. They weren't really ganky enough to like eat or drink or anything. So they, they perished. And then this one cat who we named Meruda, I think from probably they got that from the Disney film, um, Brave. Uh, looked like she was going to survive. The girls were like, can we take her in the house? Can we keep her? And we had this big, long, you know, family-wide talk about it. The mother-in-law, father-in-law, my wife and I, and we were like, yeah, we don't really want cats in the house. They kind of, you know, it's dirty, this and that. And so we told the, the girls, no, I mean, she's your cat though. So she'll be outside. You can take care of her, <clears throat> you know, that, so just, she's your cat. You have a pet, you have a cat be happy with that and just keep her outside. Well, she just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Like one night they were petting her. They're like, can we bring her in the house? And we're like, no. And then she disappeared. And we felt really bad about that. There was a lot of crying. And, um, I think we were kind of working off the assumption that Shiro-chan wouldn't be producing many babies after that. And maybe might not be around very much longer because she's old and she's had a lot of litters and, um, the last two just didn't really seem to be robust. So um, we kind of, I think Miho made a promise like, well, if if we have more kittens and we'll let them in the house. I think just kind of not really, really analyzing or thinking through like the- Just <laughs> the, thinking it would never happen. Concept. Yeah, we were just, I mean, they were still crying. We had lost Merida. We were trying to make them feel better. And, you know, so anyway- we said that, and then poof, within a year, now we've got three cats, and they are so healthy. They're like, there's nothing wrong. They're so cute. Their their faces look particularly like tigerish, like little little tigers. Very, very cute. All all of them don't have, seem to have any sickness or anything. And I was working, um, but like Sakura, who just runs around like a wild animal around the house, around the the estate, if you will, uh, found the cats and called her father, her grandfather over and they flushed them out of whatever, I don't know, hole they were in or whatever. Like they, they get into like the, uh, some of the, we've got sheds all around this place, like old ancient, uh, you know, like the earthen wood and earth created like those, the sheds that they made like a hundred years ago, they were in Mm -hmm. one of those. So they got them out and, they brought them into the house and they put them in a box. And then I went downstairs and boom, there's four cats in a box in my house. And I'm like, does your mother know about this? And there's no, <laughs> but Gigi, but Gigi helped us bring them in and, and made this little box for him. And I'm like, okay, well at least, you know, Gigi's on board. Um, so then anyway, we cleared it with, with mom. And then the last hurdle was um, the mother-in-law who has like a really sensitive nose. Like her, it's unbelievable. Like dude, she, I've been surprised by this on a number of occasions. Like I've got a pretty good nose, I feel like, but um, she, dude, her like 
she can't even eat like um you know like you know those shoe creams that we have at Chatamaya that's that famous uh shoe cream place that we've mm-hmm. been to yes she can't eat those because of the the nama cream smell and taste it's like the smell is too strong for her so any any kind of cream smell is so powerful that she can't take it and like um I think the dog took a whiz out near the deck one time. I uh, just, oh, I, I wasn't paying attention. I had him on the leash and we hadn't quite gone for the walk yet. And he like took a leak by the deck. Yeah, within like a couple of hours, she's like, did someone piss over there? Because I smell. And I'm like, God damn. Man. <laughs> she has like, a really good nose. And so I thought this isn't going to work. She's going to say no. But like the final challenge was if your grandmother says, okay, then you can keep him in the house. So the girls went out there and just laid it on so thick. You know, can we, can we, can we please, can we please, you know, uh, own a guy, own a guy, own a guy. And um, the final, I guess, challenge was, will you take care, like, like the promise that they made was like, will you take care of them then? If you're not going to take care of them, you can't have them. And so they, they promised to take care of them. And now we have uh, not four. Um, one of them was really small and didn't really seem to uh, like humans that much and was always crying for <clears> its mother. So um, each one of the kids like took a, a kitten and named it and said, this is going to be mine. And then the fourth one was like Miho's cat and we named it and it was going to be hers. But like all, the other three are just like playing and they love humans and they love being pet. But this one, cat, this one, I guess it was the runt of the litter. was kind of like really wanting its mother. Didn't seem sickly at all. It just seemed like it really wanted his mother. So um, without really consulting anybody, Miho decided to give it back to the mother. So the mother quickly like grabbed it by the back of the neck and hit it somewhere. That's what she's very yeah, good no. <laughs> um, <laughs> She came and took her babies. Yeah. yeah so um, Shiro-chan, we've been letting Shiro-chan come in. You know how we have that doma? Like the, a doma is the like on the ground style genkan. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like a one foot step up to like to the house. And the doma, mm-hmm. you can, in the doma, it's, uh, you can wear, you can, come in with your shoes on, right? So it's that's perfectly acceptable. You can take your shoes off there. I mean, the Domo was traditionally, like in the old farmhouses, would be like a place where neighbors or something would come in and you'd sit down and have tea there. And you could you wouldn't have to take off your nagagutsu, like your long boots or anything. You could be covered with mud. It doesn't matter because the traditional Domas would be like earth, like hard-packed mud on mm-hmm. the ground. Well, we, we continue that tradition with like the reformation of, of the house, but instead of having it be like earth, an earthen doma, we have like um, whatever, bricks or whatever. So it's like, it's it's a hard brick floor, um, but you can walk on it with your outdoor shoes. And um, we let Shiro-chan come in there and like lie down and nurse her, her cats and lick them and do all the things that they do uh, two or three times a day. Um, it can be a little bit traumatic, I think, for everybody when it's time to say goodbye to Shiro-chan and kick her outside. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, that's what we do, and it seems to be working all right. I always uh, Shiro-chan's like really uh, like she's aware of her name. Like if you if you like say Shiro-chan, she like she gets it. She'll look at you, she'll coo a little bit, you know. So like after I take her outside, I call her over and give her. She likes dog food, so I like call her over there and take her over there and give her dog food and and send her on her way. Um, seems to be working. Uh, so anyway, we're very happy that Asahi doesn't have cat allergies. Um, I'm very happy not to be sneezing and now we've got three cats in our house and the, the kids are loving it. Um, yeah. And, uh, who's cleaning up the poop? Go ahead. Take a guess at that one. Uh, well the kids obviously, right? Because they promised, they promised. You would think so. And that yeah, means, so it's actually and that Papa means Bear. a lot. 
<laughs> means yes, it, it does. Promises do mean a lot to uh, people that keep promises. To kids, however, yeah, not so much. So um, I don't so know. I guess I could stuck like, with the duty, huh? Literally. I, I guess I could be a jerk and like you're cleaning the shit, but uh, no, I'm just like they're like I can't do it. Ooh, so disgusting. So I was just like, it's not. You just you just scoop it up. The good thing is that they seem to uh, be going in the litter box consistently. Um, I did catch Sakura's cat, um, who we have finally settled on a name as of yesterday while we were driving to Tokyo. It was like a one-hour conversation. Uh, her name is based off the movie, which we're going to talk about anime today, right? That's um, right. Based on, off the movie Your Name, uh, the female lead in that was um, uh, Mitsuha. I believe. So we decided to give her cat the name uh, Mitsuwa. It was Mirai, but I just didn't, I wasn't really keen on that. Miho wasn't either. We were kind of wrestling with it. Um, the great thing about, I mean, I guess we could have done this with Mirai as well, but like you can shorten the name to Mitchan. So Mitsuha is her name and uh, we call her Mitchan. Um, so why, yeah. <laughs> why is Mitsuha okay, but Mirai, which is one less syllable? Was that too much know. work or like, you just don't well, I thought like... We could call, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just didn't think it was that great. There were other names that I would have preferred. So it's, so there's Chikua and which is like that fish roll thing. Um, there's Mochi. And then I really wanted, I wanted to like get another, like another food name so that we'd have food names for all the cats. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been cool, but Sakura wasn't down with that. And we went with Mitsuwa. Um, Anyway, so Mitchan, uh, Mitsuwa, found a spot to like crap in um, that wasn't a designated like litter box area. So that was a little bit of a challenge this morning. I had to like rope off some areas and clean up some stuff. But um, for the most part, they've been going in the litter box already, like even though they're, they've only been here for like a week. So I'm pretty happy about that. It's good. Sounds like they're, they're uh, not as high maintenance as they could be. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, so that's I, where I we're just at. Think, I think and it's it interesting is, that you finally, yeah, you finally gave in after uh, all these years, because that was one of the weirdest things to me when I got there, and it was like, oh, we don't keep indoor pets, and I, I feel like that was kind of common. I feel like a lot of people out there in the the countryside didn't keep their animals indoors, like they'd have outside yeah, pets, outside in dogs. Tokyo, there's a yeah, right, yeah. There's a lot of that in Tokyo. A lot of pets in Tokyo. Um, and, you know, no backyards I, in Tokyo, so yeah, it makes more sense out out there. But yeah, yeah, I won't, I'm trying to think of like of all the houses that I've been to out here in the countryside. I remember, I mean, well, our friend Paul has pets, but you know, he's a Westerner, so right. of like just 100 like Japanese families that don't have any foreigners in them, like myself. Um, not very many that I've been to personally that had um, pets in the house. Um, when you do see pets, I think they tend to be like, um, I, I knew a science teacher that had like f- fish tanks and frogs, but it seemed like more like a scientific passion for him than like <laughs> pets, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. these are amphibians and uh, fish, so I don't know. There's no limbic connection there. Um, but I, I, So one of the bosses that I had back when I was a, a teacher or ra- rather working for the Board of Education um, he had, I think, uh, a wiener dog. And then my favorite teacher, Mr. Kiyohara, he always had, uh, a cute little dog, uh, in his house. But yeah, I don't think it's super common. 
Um, I don't know. It's it's definitely becoming more and more common though. I think for people to keep pets um, anywhere in Japan, I would I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I would say that most of the the indoor pets that I met while I was over there were definitely our our Western friends. I mean, Adam managed to convince his wife to get that giant German Shepherd, right, Terry? I don't know yeah. how that works in such a small. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. yeah. Terry is huge. And Massive. That is a very yeah, it's a very traditional kind of Japanese house. Um, not too big. It's it's pretty funny. Um, he's had neighbors uh, when he's out walking the dog uh, yell at him to like go to the other side of the street because they're scared. So and, and, you know he does, <laughs> but it's it's just nobody like in the neighborhood. Nobody has seen a dog like that. They're just like whoa, you know. I mean, well, and uh, and all of all the dogs I've yeah. seen over there, those little I don't they're not wiener dogs, but they're li- like the little. Um, I don't even know what kind of dog they are, but like on all the the bags of dog food over there, they seem to use the same little dog. It's not a, a Shiba, which I would assume because you see a lot of Shiba, the kind of mid-sized dogs. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look it up, but yeah, like does it look little, like a kind of floppy ears? There's, there's like, hmm. Well, there's Mame Shiba. I don't, you know, you know, thinking about it more, I there's a, there's a lot of so. Yeah, the aunt that lives across the street, the great aunt, she has a she has a dog. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think maybe I you're just the weird ones, and people, I'm basing these opinions on you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what like usually though out in the countryside you see a dog chained up outside. Like that's the most common thing. It's just like in this really small space and it's chained up. So that's very common. I see a lot of that, um, but I have to wonder what percentage. Of people in the countryside have have dogs in their house. I don't know. I, I can I can definitely call to mind a handful of examples. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about anime, right? Yeah, you know, we were going to talk about it last time. Uh, we ran out of time. We kind of went over. Um, yeah. This was actually a topic you brought to me, interestingly enough, in a kind of role reversal type way. Well, I mean, you mentioned we should make it a topic, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." You were—I think you were joking when you said, uh, <laughs> "Let's do it." But I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like, what? What are your top five anime? Um, and you were like, "Oh, it's just going to be Ghibli, 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 Ghibli." Um, and you're—you're you're right. I think a number of my choices are Ghibli, but um, yeah, there's actually—I mean, the um, the Shinkai guy who did your name and. Kimino Nawa and uh, Weathering with You, Tenkinoko. That mm-hmm. title, the English translation of that title doesn't quite make sense to me personally. But anyway, um, I, that I, guy I don't think it makes sense Nagano. at all. Yeah, Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, he's actually... Um, so Sean, uh, my friend Sean, who was in the, uh, the Canadian Quarantine, uh, that crazy podcast that's like behind the paywall on um, Patreon, uh, who's having issues with his mother-in-law. Um, that town is where... He, they, they live in the same town, which I th- I want to say is... Actually, maybe I should... Well, they can just search it on the internet, I guess. <laughs> so It makes, it makes the sense. There. It makes sense that he'd be from Nagano. There's a, there's a line in um, Your Name uh, where she's, she's like frustrated before they start switching bodies, you know, and she goes outside yeah. and she... What does she yell like... Um, I'm sick of, <laughs> like, basically I'm sick of, you know, this rural 
garbage. Um, yeah. She wants to live in the city. And it's like, oh, wow. I bet a lot of kids in Nakano would probably relate with that sentiment. Yeah. Uh, so Komi, Komi is the name of the town. Um, I think his father was like this, um, either the owner or the CEO of a huge factory in the area. So he's definitely sort of like, you know, a rich son and heir to that. I think he went off to Tokyo and studied art. I think he probably lives in, in Tokyo now would be my guess. But um, anyway, he's from out here in the, the countryside of Nagano, very close to where I live actually. And, um, you know, in his movies, you can, you can definitely see there's a countryside uh, flavor to many of them. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but many of them. Um, so anyway, his, the, the production company that, that, or the anime animation uh, studio that he works within is Co-Mix, like comics, but C-O-Mix, Co-Mix Wave Films. And uh, they're putting out some good stuff. So it's not all Ghibli. And then the, <clears throat> there was the, uh, the guy who uh, made, um, <clears throat> gosh, what was it? Um, the Boy and the Beast. You know, one of my personal favorites, Wolf Children. <coughs> oh, there goes the voice. <clears throat> I'm burning. Um, Those allergies are coming in now. Yeah, I don't think it's allergies. I think it's a, it's a, what is it? The, um. Those cats. What is it? Uh, Your cat allergies. Katorisenko, the spindle that you burn to like get <clears throat> bugs out of your house, mosquitoes in particular. I'm burning one in this room right now. Oh, uh, like. It's getting in my throat. S- what's it called? Um, Centronella candles or whatever. Same, is that what they're same called? Concept. Okay. I, I I don't know if it's the same thing, but All right. it's what you burn Let in me get the United water. States. I'll be, I'll be right back. Keep mosquitoes away. <clears throat> all right. So anyway, yeah. So it's not all Ghibli. There's um, Comics Wave films, um, and then you know there's the guy Mamoru Hosoda who made Summer Wars, uh, Digimon Adventure, Mirai, which I haven't seen yet, but I hear is absolutely amazing. Really? You know, I, I, I watched it on Netflix. I was, I didn't, I wasn't a fan. Really? Okay. But you know, I I think, I think to be fair now, to be fair with that film, I think that as a parent, you'll probably have a different perspective, which will probably make it more impactful as a bachelor. It, it didn't, it didn't mean much to me, but there's a lot of like parent child, uh, interaction and, uh, relationship type stuff that goes on in that film. So I would say that you would probably get huh. more out of it than I did. I mean, it won an Academy Award nomination. Um, and I think it's the, what is it? It's did the, it really? It's, it's the first film, anime film, that got an Academy Award nomination that wasn't a Studio Ghibli animation. So, yeah, clearly it's got something going for it. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm a huge fan of Wolf Children. So, which is on my list. Should we just jump right into the lists? Is that what we're going to do today? Well, uh, yeah, let's, so I think the concept we came up with here is we found a 100 best anime of all time list. It seems pretty current, but I would say that it's maybe a year or so old. So some of the newer stuff, Weathering With You, for example, isn't on there. Um, Yeah, or Mirai. Uh, So there's probably a few. Mirai is on there. It is on there, actually. Oh, it is on there. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Um. Which is the only reason I even remembered that film, <laughs> even though I've seen it. Oh, okay. uh, cool. Yeah. So anyways, uh, we found a top 100 list. The concept was let's count how many of these films of the top 100 we've seen and then come up with a, you know, like a top 
five. Um, and obviously we're just doing animated films, not series. Um, so my question for you is how many of these top 100 have you seen? Right. So your, your, your theory, your guess that I had seen more than you. My guess uh, is that you've seen more of these than I have. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I'm, I was right there with you on that is true. I've seen 27, but when I say that I've seen 27, these are, these are the 27 that I've seen with undivided attention. Like I was, I was watching it paying attention, you know, and giving it all my attention. Whereas like in the car, like for example, we drove to Tokyo yesterday um, to take uh, Gigi to the, uh, for like a check, like he's in remission and thankfully nothing, it was all clear. But anyway, he's got to get checked out. Yeah, he he couldn't take the train though, the, the Shinkansen because of coronavirus. So I took a holiday and drove him out there. Anyway, in the car, when we're driving around, I'm always showing the kids in English um, anime films. So I, you know, I imagine that I've seen if you're if you're counting stuff like that that I wasn't really paying attention to because I was driving. The number is probably closer to like I don't know fifty or sixty. But um, but we're just talking yeah. exclusively Japanese animation, correct? We're not counting Disney or Pixar or any of the other kind of animated films that. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, for, so for example, yesterday in the car, uh, we watched um, Into the Forest of Fireflies while we were driving back from Tokyo, which is on the list. But I didn't, I'm not counting it because I turned off the front screen. I did watch a little bit of it. I was kind of trying to get a flavor for it. But, um, you know, you can turn down the sound and turn off the screen in the front and mm-hmm. listen to podcasts or whatever. Well, so, like, yeah, I didn't really get into it personally but it was playing and i'm sure you know it'll play again in the car at some point and i'll probably catch more of it i just haven't seen it from start to finish in entirety and really paid attention to it so well i i know exactly what you mean so my number is 14 and a half and the reason i give myself a half is because i've seen about half of pom poco last time i came to visit while driving around in the Mm. car so <laughs> I've seen about half that film. Okay. I think I even mentioned that on the podcast before. So I gave myself half a point for that one. Uh, and so, I mean, 14. we're really not even uh, qualified to present these lists as like... No, not at all. These are... <laughs> what I'm saying then, when I present my list of like, you know, my five favorite anime is of the anime that I've seen, which if you're looking at this list of 100 is only 27. Of the anime that I've seen, here's the five that I really enjoyed and you know think other people would enjoy too but um there were some on that list that you know that I read about and I thought wow I'd really like to really like to see that for example um what is it there was the uh Rojin Z anime which is by the same guy who made Akira uh Katsuhiro Otomo but like it's about Rojin means old man, right? So it's about let me let me just read the little the little blurb here. The story concerns a not so distant future where the government has developed a robot that can care for the elderly in every way, cleaning them, entertaining them, allowing them to use the bathroom, all while they remain safely ensconced in the unit. The first person to test the unit is a dying widower named uh, Kiro Takazawa, 
He's deeply unhappy at being placed in the machine and his unhappiness manifests itself in unexpected ways as his psyche infects the unit and it begins to use ingrained abilities the government thought no one would discover. Soon enough, the Z001 <clears throat> is careening across Tokyo, destroying buildings and battling government military hardware, uh, all where... All while uh, Kiro uh, wails about going to the beach where he and his dead wife made some important memories. Uh, sounds fascinating. It's by the same guy who made Akira. It's on the list. And, you know, the theme kind of fits. the Like Japan is currently investing money in robots to care for the elderly. I don't know if you've been following that news blip, but... That just seems to be just for companionship. I've I've read some articles where they're talking about like robotic companions to combat loneliness. I haven't seen, I guess, anything that you know goes farther than that as far as like physical care. Yeah, so they've got um, they've got those suits that they're going to like like an exoskeleton suit that you would put on a nurse so that they can more easily like lift up. Um, an elderly person, but they're also looking into like robots to uh, care for the elderly, which I mean, makes sense when you realize that Japan is going to be a country just of all elderly people and <laughs> there's no young people to take care of them. So mm-hmm. um, Rojin Z, 1991, uh, seems like a very prescient uh, film. Maybe not the running about Tokyo, destroying buildings and battling the government. <laughs> the <military. laughs> it goes... But yeah, it goes a little off the that rails sounds there. Fun. <laughs> right, but that sounds a little fun too. So um, I, I couldn't find uh, a torrent or anything for that. Like I would, uh, maybe I'll buy it if I can get access to it. It doesn't seem to be on Netflix or anything. So I don't know where you can get it. Um, I, I maybe feel like I'll that's, have to. Yeah, that's one of the problems with some of the movies on this list are some of them are. You can't get them? Does, does it say when that was made? You know, I think finding, especially in the West, finding access yeah. to some of these films. So I, I noticed that beyond the the Ghibli stuff on my list, most of it's more recent because it's more available. Um, yeah. So finding access to some of this older stuff that's not, you know, as well known in the in the West is, is definitely more difficult. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a caveat here. I'm interested to hear your, your, what made your list though. Um, did you, do you have any honorable mentions before we start the countdown at five? I kind of, I had one that I wanted to put on the list, I couldn't find room for it. Um, okay. Which is, you know, it's pretty good. When you have like half of the movies you've seen, you want to make the list, but... Um, well, let's start off with the list because there's two that are kind of battling for supremacy on the list currently, and I one of them is going to have to be an honorable mention, but I'm not sure which, so I'll kind of... Maybe I could do that. Uh, so in, in no particular order, you know, my oh, you're favorite not, you're films... Not, you're not doing a countdown then. I thought we were doing a countdown here. I thought we were, I mean, I thought we were ranking. I thought this was a ranking. I can't do that. Oh, come I, on. I, I wouldn't come even on. know. I'm just, I'm just saying these five okay. are particularly good. And you should, I mean, if you want to rank them, great. I, I just don't know how I could. I don't know how I could I, do that. You just love so, them all so much. You just love the anime. I mean, they're, they're, they're completely different. So anyway, the five that I'll, I'll mention are Wolf Children, which I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolf Children is this story of, I mean, basically it's this guy that's a werewolf. He can, uh, and he meets a regular Japanese lady and there's a bestiality scene, which I thought was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> and this is why it made your list. That's why you're, it's your favorite. 
I would like to say that that's why it made my list. Um, it's definitely not something that you would see, I think, in an American film, which may be why I don't think it really went international as far as I know. Maybe it did. I, I don't really know. I've been living in Japan. It's hard for me to gauge what makes it out. But I, I don't think good, the good Christians of America would be particularly happy with the scene uh, of bestiality where <laughs> like, he literally transforms into a wolf before they, before they bang. Jesus. Okay. So like he has the ability to be like a human, right? But mm-hmm. I'm like, but he just chooses know, not full, to be. And <laughs> yeah, like before they bang, he like turns into a wolf, and like she's like, how? It's 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 weird. So uh, there's that, uh, which makes it a rather weird film. But um, the rest of the film is 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 quite interesting. So they they have these half breed children that um, you know when they're young. They have a hard time controlling their emotions, and when they get when they get all angry or whatever, like, they'll turn into wolves. And um, <clears throat> there's like an incident at school where one of the the half breeds like transforms into a wolf and scratches a boy that was like making fun of her or something, uh, probably for her smell, if I remember correctly. Um, so like the the story starts out with them like trying to fit in and not be noticed by anyone. So. The mother is like training them how to like control their emotions so that they don't turn into wolves and then wants to send them to school. But like it, it quickly becomes clear that it's not really going to work. So she takes her kids. Oh, by the way, the father dies and like gets picked up by like the garbage men and the corpse, which is the wolf, just gets wow. like thrown into the trash. Yeah. Kind of a heartbreaking scene. Yeah. This is, this I, is why, the, this never came. This why I've never said, heard of this movie. <laughs> Maybe we should have said no spoilers. Is this uh, rated R? What is this? I mean, it would be, I think, in the States. Anyway, so um, so she's trying to raise these halflings by herself. Uh, she's a regular human. They're, they can turn into wolves. It's a, it's a bit of an issue. So they decide to get out of the city, and she takes them into the deep countryside. Kind of looks like out like where I live. And, um, you know, buys this old farmhouse. Starts cleaning it up. And starts raising her kids out there because it's like secluded and she doesn't think there's going to be pressure uh, from school or society or the government. And um, anyway, they, they, they follow the kids. They, they end up going to school and stuff. But like one of the boy is like more wild or wilder and the girl is, has chosen the human path, so to speak. So they've, they've chosen different paths like and it, they kind of flesh that out. And it's re- rather interesting in my opinion. Now, does I this like speak to you on a, my on a deeper are, level? Yeah, because my children are halflings, right? Right. <laughs> Whatever you want. They're, they're like half wolf. <laughs> Being a half American, it's basically the same thing. So, you know, we're trying to get our kids through school without being bullied, without causing too much trouble, without um, people taking too much notice of them, as it were. I, I feel like, I mean, I don't think it was intended to be like, I don't think it was intended to be social commentary on like raising Hafu kids, but there is that element to it if you want there to be. So I enjoyed watching it. And I really like the, like the countryside life. Like they really get into what it's like for a city person to go out into the countryside and like to try to become a farmer, um, which I can personally identify with because I, I wasn't a farmer growing up and now I'm out here in the countryside and, People out here, they have some very sort of set in stone ways about doing things. 
There's also some local conventions about like sharing and whatnot um, and working really fucking hard. So I see that in the film and I can identify with that. Um, so I think for all those reasons, the film for me was great. It's got some wonderful scenes too, like the scene where it snows one morning and they run out in the snow, they turn into wolves and just, I don't know, I just thought it was a great movie. It's, if I had to rank them and just give my one favorite, I think this would probably be my, my favorite. So uh, the other ones though, the like, yeah, I guess so. There's also like Grave of Fireflies, which I, if, I mean, you know about that, right? Now, this was one I didn't count on my list. I know the plot. I may or may not have seen it like 15 years ago or whenever it came out. I don't remember yeah. ever having seen it. But the fact that I know about it makes me think that maybe I have. So I, I don't know. But I do know I do know yeah. the plot line. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it basically um, shows like you how dark, horrible yeah. war was. Um, but it, you know, again, it shows you, <clears throat> it kind of gives you a snapshot of what rural life was like in Japan back then. Mm-hmm. So you see these kids who were essentially war orphans being mistreated by their, um, I think it was their aunt and uncle. It's been a while since I watched it. But anyway, it's this, it's an amazing film um, because it kind of shows you what war was like for the children of Japan. Um, and it's heartbreaking. You watch it, you end up crying. I like a good tearjerker every now and again. And this is definitely one of the best tearjerkers there are. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's it's, But it's <clears throat> it's great for different reasons. Like I wouldn't want to compare these two films. I wouldn't want to say Wolf Children or Grave of Fireflies, which one is better? Um, you know, for, <laughs> his, for historical reasons, like Grave of Fireflies, I think is much more <clears throat> significant. It kind of gives you, I mean, obviously it's not strictly historical, but it, it does attempt to portray a slice of history as it were a little moment in time um obviously set to a story right that it, it has a sort of an arc and a, the whole thing the denouement but uh it's a it's a great film for completely different reasons um it could easily mm-hmm. be my number one as well <clears throat> um then there's pompoko which is a playful film uh, this is a ghibli film uh, is I think it really? Grave of Fireflies was Ghibli. I guess Ghibli. I didn't know it was a Ghibli film. Was Grave of Fireflies Ghibli? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Oh well, look at that. My first two are non-Ghibli films, and I I wasn't even trying for that. Um, Pompoko, I'm pretty sure is. Let me just uh, pull it up and see. I feel like it's not. I feel like it, that maybe. I've never seen it, so I've seen half of it. It doesn't feel uh... like a Ghibli film from the parts that I've seen. Yeah, it was animated by uh, by Ghibli. But oh, but the director wasn't. That's right. Why? Okay. Yeah. So okay. Miyazaki didn't direct it, but it was one of those Ghibli non Miyazaki films. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So it made your list. Yeah, and I, I get it. It was the parts that I saw were interesting. Interesting enough that I want to know what happened to those raccoons. Yeah, it's um, it's it's great because. I mean, like most Ghibli films, it kind of tries to show you mankind's impact on mankind. That's an outdated word. Human, humankind's impact on nature and how the effect that it's having on animals, right? And they're trying to tease out a way that humans and the, the natural world 
animals included, can peacefully coexist, right? So it's got that underlying theme, which I think is is great. It's a very um, it's a very Japanese kind of theme, right? Like mm-hmm. development versus nature. That's always been a major theme in Japan, um, and it's funny, right? It's about it's about raccoons and foxes that are shapeshifters. Um, the tanukis are shapeshifters as well. And all the slapstick sort of uh, crazy comedy that can ensue when a gang of raccoons decides to cause mischief with people that are developing on their hillside. Um, but it also kind of explores, the, you know, the mythology, the ancient mythology of Japan, because there's, you know, there's always been sort of like the the, the trickster element to the tanuki or the shape-shifting uh, trickster element to the the fox and whatnot and so it i don't know it's just it's a great film mm-hmm. um and it, and it has my favorite scene is when because <laughs> i yeah we should probably i was trying i was going to say that we should give our favorite scenes for each film i don't actually have a favorite scene from grave of fireflies because it's been ages since i saw that but um wolf children my favorite scene was when he when turns the snow, into a wolf and oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> The bestiality scene? No, that was not my favorite. I was like, ah. Um, but I was happy that it was in there nonetheless because it's kind of, you know, stick it to the, uh, <laughs> what is it? All the all the goody two-shoe Christians out there who can't well, handle a little bestiality. Uh, I looked it up. Put it's that rated in PG in the West, so clearly they cut that scene out. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, not my favorite scene, though. My favorite scene is when it, um, after they moved out to the countryside, um, and it snows one morning and the the children slash wolves run out in the snow and everything that ensues after that and the music and everything like i love that scene now uh probably not my favorite scene uh from pompoko but there is another funny scene kind of like that i think westerners are kind of like hmm when they see it there's this scene where the raccoons one of the raccoons uses his uh his testicles as like uh, a weapon to like bludgeon police officers. There's another time where he uses his his uh, his ball sack to create like a mat that everybody's sitting on. You know how like he spread out like a mat for like a picnic. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that they were on his ball sack. <laughs> I believe I yeah I believe I remember that scene. <laughs> okay, so I mean that's some kind of funny stuff. But my favorite scene from that film was when they have. They have two guys, old old men, maybe at a at one of those. You know, you can think of like Golden Guy in Tokyo, where like there's a street and you just kind of like um, there's like the exposed store uh, restaurant front where you can kind of just sit down and start eating right there, right? And behind you is street, right? So there's two guys, maybe at a yatai or at one of those like street uh, vendor places who've sat down and they're showing them from inside the shop shooting towards these guys. So all you can see is like the open sky in the background, but they're sitting there at the counter. They're drinking sake. They're, they're probably eating something like Oden or maybe Yakitori. I don't know. Um, And they're wasted. They're fucking, they're shit faced (laughs) and they're talking to each other about like, isn't it weird that when you're, when you're a kid, you believe in ghosts and stuff like that. But, they're not even real. There's no such thing as, as ghosts. <laughs> Why do we tell our kids that there's ghosts? And they start talking about that. You know, is it to keep them from doing bad stuff? No, I'm not recreating the dialogue perfectly, but it's this. Um, 
It's a very rich scene where two drunks are talking to each other about <laughs> ghosts and goblins and demons and like the mythology of Japan and how they don't exist and it's just a bunch of crap. And behind them, the Tanuki have shapeshifted into all of the the sort of famous mythological spirit creatures. And they've got like a parade going on. They're like going through the town trying to freak people out um, to get them to move away. And so like right behind these two drunks talking is just like this menagerie of ghosts and goblins and demons and Oni and you name it um, while they're talking about it. And then they finally see it at the end and kind of freak out. But it's a great scene in the film. Just a side note, what is your favorite mythological ghost or yokai or... (laughs) Do you do you have a, a favorite? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because um, some of them are just—I mean—they're funny. They're, I I I think it's a kind of a humorous subject. We could probably have a whole yeah. There's Halloween like that long neck lady. There's that long. Yeah, we should. There's like that long neck lady. I forget. Um, yeah, I don't have the list in front of me. It'd be interesting to kind of like run through it and talk about them. You know, maybe we should do that. That would we'll, make a good we'll plan an uh, episode for that. Episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyways, I was going to say my favorite is the uh, the one legged umbrella, the uh, Casa Obake. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's supposed to be yeah. what the spirit of discarded like discarded items that weren't thrown away correctly or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Wasteful. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're we're running out of time here. So I want to hear the rest of this list. All right. So that's three, um, and then. The next one would probably be Princess Mononoke. Um, Classic. Have you yeah. seen that one? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's on my list. Yeah, I mean, this is just another Ghibli film that I think kind of explores the relationship between humanity and nature and how to coexist, right? And it also, um, you know, it's overlaid with some references to, you know, mythological beings. Um, Shinto, very, a very Shinto-influenced uh, film. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Mononoke. Very yeah, violent. Um, it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit violent and, and weird. Um, but I did show it to Sakura when she was younger. <laughs> wow. It, be, it quickly became like one of her favorite films. Um, well, it's because she, she fancies herself a wolf. So it makes sense. Yeah. It may be because of this film though. That, that that's why she's so it obsessed was with wolves. That influential and, and, for her. And, yeah. And, living in the forest and stuff like that. But um, yeah, she loves that film. Um, it's been a while since we've watched it, but um, it's- Did you watch, uh, did you watch the, I assume you watched the English version since you were watching it with the kids. Yeah, you know, it's, it's too bad too. So I really want my kids to be able to speak and understand English. So from a very early age, we were watching all of these Japanese animation films in English exclusively. Mm-hmm. So, which- you know, obviously I'm losing out on the opportunity to practice Japanese or, or u- utilize Japanese to like listen to stuff. Which So it's had a detriment, I think, on my own personal growth and development uh, when well, it comes just, to Japanese language. But yeah, always I lo- in English. I, I love that Billy Bob Thornton played a voice in that movie. <laughs> right. Like it, it stood right. out so yeah. much, but he did a really good job with that, like that role. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I'll say about a lot of the the Ghibli films, like they've done a really good job for the most part with the, um, the dubbing that, you know, a lot of yeah. other films don't manage to do. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that when we get to, to my list, but anyways, yeah. So that's a, that's a good one. And then number, number five. Yeah. So then 
uh, number five would be either Totoro or Spirited Away, Sento Chihiro no Kamikagushi. I probably lean towards Totoro because, again, I really like the <clears throat> the rural country life depiction, which um, mm-hmm. that's where I live. And right, I, I like I like to romanticize that. It, it makes me enjoy it more. Maybe maybe it, it maybe it hits me harder. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I like it. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, f- let me ask you before I dive into my list. When was how old do you think you were when you first when you saw your first like Japanese animated film? If you had to pick the first one on this list that you probably saw, you know, was it? I See, assume I it was probably after you moved I, to Japan. Yeah, I don't think I watched any of this stuff growing up. Um, I don't think it was available. I don't think in I watched. States for the yeah, most probably part. not. I mean, Vampire Hunter D. I recall I had friends that. Uh, had purchased or rented a copy of that, but like I didn't join them to, to, to watch it or whatever. So like, I hadn't seen it. I still, I don't, I still don't think I've seen it. Um, yeah, probably zero. I don't think I've seen any, I had, I don't think I had seen any of these until I came to Japan. And even then it wasn't until like years after the fact, like after coming to Japan years later that I started watching them. And, you know, mm-hmm. most of them more recently as, you know, after having, kids i think so right yeah i watched totoro i think probably before i had kids that was probably the first one that i saw um because i was a teacher and children had talked about it at school and i wanted to try and learn a little bit more about their world and what it was they liked so i watched that and i read some some one piece comics um but I, th- I remember thinking the first time that I saw Totoro, like, what the fuck is this? And like, is this even a story? <laughs> it was like, and I, when I, my immediate reaction after watching it was like, this is the dumbest story I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Like, what is, what is, what is this even saying? Like, what does it mean? What is the, like, it made no You're sense. You're trying to, to analyze me. it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it was only after watching it more and more with my kids that like, um, yeah, I think the layers of meaning start getting teased out. Like, for example, Ponyo. You wa- the f- first time I watched Ponyo, I was like, "What the fuck does this even mean?" Like, <laughs> same, <laughs> same kind of thing. Uh, but the more I watched it with my kids, the more I started to think that Ponyo is about a father learning to be able to give up his daughter. Like, maybe for example, in marriage. That's the kind of the way I see it now. Like, there's this very protective father. Ponyo's his daughter. Ponyo fall in loves, falls in love with Sosuke, the human boy, and <clears throat> he goes nuts and does everything he can to try and get her back, right? And to try and compress her so that she can't let her magic out, which is a way of, I mean, it's almost like uh, the entire movie is like about that, the idea of the Hakoidi Musume, like the daughter in uh, a drawer, keeping your daughter in a drawer and not letting her go out into the world because you'll lose her, right? I mean, Japan has a very different idea than the West when it comes to children. More often than not, you want your children to remain in your ancestral home and stay with you and live with you. And there's, you know, so many cases where children never branch out and they never go out, they never get married. I'm not talking about hikikomori types or anything. I'm just talking about normal people that like never leave their ancestral home. They live with their parents until the, the day that they die. Their parents die, rather. And then, you know, um, I mean, if they have kids, so some of them don't, you know, they, they continue living in the house as well. So it's like from generation to generation, you've got this unbroken chain of, of people that, that don't leave the, the family. So 
you know, that's definitely the way it is with my, my wife and her, her parents. They, they would like her to stay in, here in the house and, and live with them. Um, whereas my family in the States would be like, you're 18, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you know, you're a, what's Culturally, the idea it's very is different, that like yeah, in the States. Yeah. You're like West. leeching off of your parents, you know, you're not independent. You're not, you know, you know what I mean? That like, there's something wrong with you if you remain in the house. Whereas like, mm-hmm. It makes sense on so many levels. Like, if you love your kids, why would you want them to go out? Like, you know, economically, it's very hard to buy your own house or something like that. Why wouldn't you share the house and your income, right? I mean, it's, why wouldn't you share the housework even? I mean, it, it takes away the burden on so many. I mean, the, the the added burden is you need to figure out a way to get along with, with these people, right? It's, sometimes it's hard to get along with your family, even for Japanese people. But... um they're very good. I think Japanese people are very good at maintaining the law, as it were, right? The peace by um, selectively ignoring things or not talking about things that you think might lead to a conflict, right? So I think they're much better than that, at that rather than, than Westerners are. And maybe that's why there's so many successful families living together uh, through the duration of their life. But um, I feel like Ponyo is like an exploration of this idea of the father not wanting to give up the daughter. Uh, but in the end, he has to, and then she—I mean, like literally—they're going to be together in the end of the of that film. So it's, it's I didn't get few, it at all the first time. It's one of the few Ghibli movies I've never seen because it just didn't really? look. I just didn't like watching the trailer. I was like, I have no interest in seeing this. <clears throat> Listening to your description of it, is it any different than the, the the Little Mermaid, like the Disney version? It sounds your description of it makes it sound very similar. Yeah. It's way better than The Little Mermaid. Uh, per, if, personally, that's how I feel about it anyway. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. It's a good film. Not on my list though. So, you know, it's Didn't, Wolf Children, an honorable Fireflies. Mention. Honorable mention for sure. Uh, Pampoko, uh, Princess Mononoke, and then um, either Totoro or Spirited Away. Um, they're both great films. And then I guess honorable mention would be like... Um, Tenkinoko, Weathering With You, uh, Your Name, of course, also by Shinkai, amazing, Kimi no Nawa. Um, there's other things too, like Barefoot Gen, uh, Nasuka of, the, of the, the Valley of the Wind. I liked Kiki, Kiki's uh, delivery service as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's about it. Good list. So it sounds like uh, you've put a lot more thought into analyzing these films for this episode than I have. I should have uh, written something down here to kind of go into we'll each one. Let's see what you got. Let's I guess I can kind of touch on to touch on it. We're at an hour. <laughs> you yelled at me last time we went over an hour. Do you want to just cut it right I here? I know. Editing is tough. No, let's go. I want to hear your list. All right. Uh, so first off, my honorable mention. I did rank these. It was difficult, but some of them. And here's here's what I'll say before I get into the list. Um, so for the listeners that don't know, our age difference is about 10 years. So I'm about 10 years younger. And in that 10 years, anime had started to kind of, um, appear in the United States, um, as a medium, a lot more than it had probably in the, in the mid to late eighties, you know, by the, the mid nineties, it was starting to creep in, especially with the Ghibli stuff like that had started to be, you know, dubbed and released at every, you know, video store in America. So it was it was a little bit easier. It started towards the mid to late 90s. It started showing up on TV uh, 
you know, for, for you to watch, especially the um, animated series. Uh, so I have maybe a different perspective just because a lot of this stuff that's on my list, I have like an emotional connection to from being younger. So a lot of the stuff is I saw probably before I was, I don't know, before I was 14, 15, somewhere in there. Um, and then some of the other stuff on my list is the, the more recent um, stuff uh, that I probably watched after coming back from Japan and just kind of keeping up with what's coming out. And you can find a lot of it on Netflix now. It'll come straight to Netflix, which makes it really convenient to find. Um, interestingly enough, Akira, which I think is probably the, it's on the list. It's number one on the list. I think it yeah. probably has more hype than any animated film that I've seen, even on par with Ghibli. But I, I guess it's probably more adult oriented. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even really sure what it's about. Uh, but it gets a lot of, you know, hype, but I've never seen it. I, it's probably available now on Netflix and things like that. But growing up, it was not something that was available. Um, so just keeping that in mind, perspective wise, that uh, the things on this list are kind of split into things I saw when I was a kid. Um, and then things I saw uh, probably in the last, you know, three or four years. But I think some really great movies have kind of come out in the last three or four years. Um and it's been kind of a shame some of them haven't been, you know, uh, nominated for Academy Awards. At least get the nomination. Um, and there's one in particular that uh, was it your name? I think it was your name. Uh, that didn't get, yeah, yeah. That didn't get a nomination. But I think it was. I could be wrong. It could could have been another film. Um, but it was the year that Boss Baby got nominated for Best Picture <laughs> or Best Animated Picture. And it's like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, it was that or it was a silent voice or there, it was one of the films, one of these big films that just came out recently. It was just like a travesty um, that it didn't get nominated. So it's still not getting the full credit I think it deserves in the West because Boss Baby apparently is, you know, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Picture. Uh, so with that in mind, honorable mention, uh, number six, <laughs> I wanted to find a place for it because I really liked the story that it told was a silent voice. I don't have all the Japanese names pulled up. So a lot of these I do watch them in Japanese, but they come out in the West. So I know them by their Western name. Um, you know, obviously, uh, things like Kimi no Noa and, and uh, Tenki no Ko and things like that are a little bit easier to remember. And, and I have seen them. Uh, but so a silent voice came out here, I ended up watching it. Um, I think did you ever watch that? I know I recommended it to you. I don't know if it ever made it into your... I'm not sure how kid-friendly uh, it is, parts of it. Yeah. That's... Um, that's that's. You said it was a little... Maybe a little bit too much for the kids. So there are, like, I downloaded are, it. Yeah. Yeah. There are themes of suicide it. throughout it. Like, it definitely Yikes, deals with, okay. um, you know, kids growing up. And so it tells the story of a, a boy in elementary school. And he's, you know, kind of trying to be the, the cool kid in the class clown. And he finds that, um, he gets a lot of, uh, props for that. And, uh, then he starts picking on a girl who happens to be deaf. Um, and so he's making fun of her a lot and he's, you know, doing things like breaking or hearing aid and, or stealing it and, and, uh, just being a general jerk. And, uh, not only does he drive her to transfer out of the school because she's being bullied so badly, even though she's, you know, nice and trying to be friends with everyone. Uh, but his taunting leads all the other kids to cast him into like the out group. So all of a sudden, all the other kids like turn on him and they're like, oh, that's not funny. So we're not going to talk to you anymore. So he kind of gets, you know, outcast. And so by the time he ends up in high school, he's uh, 
a very different person who has all this guilt for, you know, what he's done. And he's struggling with, you know, thoughts of suicide himself. And he wants to make amends with this girl. So he kind of tracks her down. And throughout the story, she's dealing with thoughts of suicide. And he kind of is too. And, uh, you know, they kind of make friends and make amends. And I, I think it's a really touching story. Um, I think it deals with some of those topics that are really, um, you know, some of the social problems that aren't touched on in a lot of media at all, let alone in uh, anime. So I thought that was a really great film. The only reason I couldn't find a spot for it was because my list is already so full. Um, and it's one of those films that like, once you see it once, it's not, it's not something I really want to go back and see again. Kind of like, uh, uh, Grave of the Fireflies where you're like, it's a, you know, good film, right. but not something I want to sit down on a Friday night and, and revisit necessarily. Um, because it's just kind of heavy subject matter. Uh, the first one that made my list number five on the list is actually by the same director who directed your name and, um, weathering with you i I don't i can't i can't understand that that name at all yeah why of all the names um they came up with weathering with you but yeah uh so shinkai this was one of his earlier works uh 2007 it was uh five centimeters per second oh yeah and great film i actually yeah i actually saw this before i saw your name and i didn't know that the director was the same when your name came out so for me they were kind of completely um disconnected until i looked into it but yeah, there was something about that, that film that I really enjoyed. And I think it was, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a strange format because it's only like an hour long. So it's, it's shorter than a standard, um, feature length film. And it's kind of split into three separate stories that aren't necessarily directly related. So it's a little disjointed in the way the the story is told, um, but yeah, at, you know, at its core, it's about, you know, young love and then it's you know, they move to one of the kids moves to a different town. He, um, I believe it's the boy. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it. Anyways, they move to a different town and, uh, you know, they kind of grow up and grow apart despite, you know, being in love. And at the end she ends up marrying somebody else. And he's just kind of this, um, you know, getting out of a bad relationship and he has a job he hates as a salary man type of deal. And it just kind of ends. Um, and so it's, I don't know. It's very realistic and it's like not everything gets a happy ending. Not everybody ends up together. You know, life moves on and I don't know. I thought there was something bittersweet about the whole thing where I think a lot of people would just write it off as like this is it's short and disjointed and doesn't have a happy ending and I don't know. There was something about it that spoke to me. It was kind of tragic in a way. Well, I mean, Shinkai's I mean in, in all of his films, he has the same emotional motifs which are like loneliness existential mm-hmm. melancholy and romantic ennui melancholy and is a good film. word for it yeah especially towards yeah. the middle and the end of that film melancholy definitely steps to the forefront um but i think my favorite scene in that film is is when he when they're uh, maybe junior high or high school age or whatever it is i want to say junior high anyways he he's going to visit her and he's got to like get on the Shinkansen by himself. And then he's got to take, you know, like all these side side trains um, to try to get to where she's living. And uh, it starts snowing really bad. And I guess cell phone dies or something like that. He's in a service. And so he can't, or it was before that because they were writing each other letters. That's right. It takes place in the past part of it. So he, he can't contact her and he knows she's waiting at the station for him. And uh, the train gets shut down 
And, you know, he's like, he's fallen asleep and he's waking up and the train's not moving. And he's like, oh, she's not going to be there. And this was my one chance to see her, you know, and he's kind of snuck away. His parents don't know. And anyways, he finally gets there in like the middle of the night and he's not sure what to do. And then kind of to his surprise, she's still waiting by this small stove furnace type thing in the station waiting for him. And there's a scene where they're like walking in the snow and they kind of share a kiss under this, you know, tree, the stars and the snow. And I don't know, it's like this romantic, this perfect romantic moment where you're like, okay, this would be the moment, you know, you're going to be with this person forever. And it's kind of perfect moment. And that's also kind of their last moment together. Um, kind of the last time they're ever together together. So I don't know, that kind of, that just made it because emotionally it made me feel something. <laughs> it wasn't always like a good something, but yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, number four on the list was Spirited Away, which you talked about. I think that well, was one probably... Sec, one sec, we should we should, oh, uh, wanna... we should mention, just since we're talking about Shinkai real quick, I wanted mm-hmm. to just point out that there's two films of his that I haven't seen yet. His debut, Voices of a Distant Star, and The Place Promised in Our Early Days uh, are two of his films that I haven't seen yet that are on this list. And so, I mean, there's a number of f- films that I looked at from the list that I thought, oh, I'd really like to to watch that definitely those are two as well of his that, that are worth checking out i would think hmm. yeah well and here's the other caveat on weathering with you maybe the reason it didn't make the list i don't know but i ended up seeing that film during a downpour a thunderstorm uh last time i came to japan right before we climbed fuji um so i saw it in the japanese theater you know without subtitles and uh most of it was pretty easy to follow but there was there was, you know, a little confusion as to what exactly was, you know, making it rain. It's like I understood the basic concepts that were going on here. Um, but yeah. there could have been a deeper level that that was beyond my comprehension level. So I'm definitely waiting for a subbed version of that. To, it's still not out here. I don't think it comes out until September. So that could move up I in the list. I think it was too but. new to make the list. I think it would definitely be on the list next it was, year if they updated yeah i mean there were parts that i really liked about about it you know and again it was kind of the, like you said the same um general uh, motifs that that he uses in a lot of his films um i think that one was definitely like a sense of belonging or family um for both both sides both you know her and and him and, and the little the little brother um yeah so i i think that could that could definitely move up but it's uh that'll be I'm ashamed to admit I must watch it subtitled to to get the the subtleties of that film. Uh, I have yeah I haven't seen it yet. I'd like to as well. Yeah, I, I, mean, I it's haven't just seen interesting. It in English. So, it's just interesting yeah. that I have I have clips of uh, I I walked over to the mall when I was in uh, Ueda, and as I was walking there, it just started like massive flash flood type downpour and thunder and lightning and and the whole nine yards as I'm walking in. And it was so bad that like people were coming in out of the rain and kids were like running in and out every time the the lightning struck and people were taking videos. I took a video of it. It's like the biggest downpour I've seen probably in a long time. I guess there was one when I was living in Japan that I saw that was probably like the perfect setting to watch it. in. It it was Yeah, yeah, it was kind of as I'm walking into the theater, I'm like, wow, this is, this is timely. Anyways, just a, an aside Rather on apropos, that. Apropos, if you will. If you will. Uh, number, number four, Spirited Away. I don't think we have to talk about this one a whole lot more. I think, you know, you summed it up succinctly. It was the first animated film I ever saw in theaters. 
So it came out, I want to say 2001, 2000, 2001. I think it was my freshman year of high school that this movie came out. And it was the first animated film other than things like, you know, Pokemon and things like that. This was like the first real Ghibli Miyazaki film that came out in theaters. So went to see that downtown. There was only one theater. I think it was the like the Fox Theater downtown that kind of had only, <laughs> uh, you know, it was kind of like an art house theater type deal. So it didn't have a lot of the popular movies, but it, it did have this one. So went downtown with my friends. We watched it and it kind of blew everyone away. Um, and it was what the only Miyazaki film to win an Academy Award for best animated picture. Right. So that was definitely his in the West. That was probably his, one of his most well-known or at least yeah, I was already uh, in Japan when it awarded. came out, but it, it, it was huge in the West. Right. It, 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 well, I, I wouldn't say huge, but I would say that it was most critically acclaimed in the West. I think it was the first real Japanese animated film that got any kind of um, acclaim in the West for being more than because if I if I think about what was in theaters prior to that, and I don't, I don't know if it ever got a wide distribution release or if it was just in those small theaters. It might have later after it won the Academy Award, it might have had a wide release. Um, but before that, the only things that you were seeing in theaters that were coming out of Japan were things like, you know, like, like I said, Pokemon, I think was probably the first big animated that I can recall at least, um, film to come out because the show and the cards and the video games and all that was so popular that in 90, 98, 99, that kind of hit the scene and, and, uh, changed everything. But this was the first real, I would say animated film to, um, make waves in the U S and since then he's never, I think he's been, he's been nominated. Miyazaki has been nominated a few times, um, for his work, but he hasn't won another one because you can't beat boss baby. (laughs) You can't beat (laughs) minions. You just can't do it. That, so that film came out right after I moved, uh, to, to the countryside of Japan. So I came here in 2000 and then the film came out in 2001 I had just started teaching uh, out here in in Tateshina, and um, I remember that it was huge, absolutely huge. It was like you know you would see it on TV. The kids were talking about it, everything. So I think I I think I saw it probably with within the year, maybe not in the theater. And um, I don't think my Japanese ability was good enough for me to make sense of it, and it was very surreal. Like you, mm-hmm. I mean you. You can see that they, you know, they go to um, like this onsen slash theme park that like this, you know, the spirits are using. You can see all these fantastic creatures appear in it, include, you know, in particular, the no face one that's like showering people with gold and then eating them up, which kind of, I think, represents avarice, greed and the Buddhist notion of like the hungry ghost, you know, never satiated. But mm-hmm. like as 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 a whole, the story didn't really make sense to me. I was like trying to understand the story arc, and I wasn't really getting it. But I've since seen it like probably a hundred times. My kids love it, so we never. I mean, it's just like a few months will go by, and we'll throw it on, and it's just as fresh and as interesting as the last time. So it's there an was something film. about. I I want to say there was something about the character development. In that film specifically, I mean, um, Miyazaki had a lot of great films in the 90s, 80s and 90s, but there was something about um, Chihiro 
specifically and her kind of character arc through that movie where mm-hmm. you could feel, you felt almost emotionally involved or you know in her kind of struggles as she tries to overcome you know like fear and uncertainty and the loss of her parents and being in this new situation i think that's something we can all as humans relate to right we've all had moments in our lives where we're completely thrown out of our element and um, are I mean, trying yeah, to... and it starts off with her moving to a new town and, right. and already being thrown. So she's already in this state of mind that's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening, completely um, unmoored, if you will. And and then she gets thrown into something like even deeper, right? Like how much right. well, and fur- it's this, further... And, 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 <laughs> right. And it's like, there's no, she's not, not only is she thrown into it, but she's, you know, trapped there against her will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking for a way to escape and just try to survive with all this going on. And so, but the way it was played throughout, um, I don't know, I, it was just so well done. Um, so yeah, that one has a special place on my list just for kind of the, the moment in time that I saw it and, and what it meant. And um, yeah. Number three was your name. Now, this one's a really new one. I'm sure there are people who are going to argue just because it's so new. Um, I thought I thought the art direction was amazing. I thought the music was amazing. Um, the story got a little convoluted at times. But, I, I mean, overall, I, I really liked the whole dream. There was something about how it, they weren't switching bodies in a traditional, like, Freaky Friday type way, which has been kind of overdone, especially in the States. Um but that kind of like they took each other control of each other's bodies, but only in their dreams. And so it's like they'd wake up and they'd have vague memories of it, but they'd fade over time as if, you know, when you wake up from a dream and you remember it vividly and then by noon it's gone, you don't remember what it was about at all. Um, so there was something, you know, I think it paid off well when there was, when they tried to introduce that kind of love story arc and it's like, what would it be like to fall in love with somebody, but then know that you're going to forget about them completely in, you know, 12 hours and what's worse, they're going to forget about you. So I don't know. There was, and it kind of paid off at the end. It had a happy ending, which not all of his films do. So yeah. I, I really liked that he wrapped it because you know, knowing him, he could have just as well just decided that, you know, they forget about each other and she lives, but they never see each other at the end. Or they never see each other again, at the end. So yeah, I like how it wrapped yeah. up. Um, but I think the music. We watched that yesterday, by the way. Did you really? In the car coming back from Tokyo. Um, I was struggling to find films that were in Japanese because my mother-in-law and father-in-law were in the car as well. And they don't speak English, obviously. So mm-hmm. uh, we were watching um, Man vs. Nature for a while just because it's visually compelling. And even though it's in English, you can kind of get it. What he's trying to survive. The guy who drinks his own piss. Adapt, improvise, overcome, that guy, <laughs> I mean, right? Um, yeah. But we kind of got bored with that. And so I was searching through the list of, of movies that I had on my SD card. And I saw that. And I thought, oh, that can't be in English because there's no English dub yet available. So we pulled that up and we watched that on the way home. And it was, they were, it was the first time my mother-in-law and father-in-law had seen it. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, thoroughly impressed. They were like, wow, you know. I get why anime is so popular around the world now. That's <laughs> what I think he said. My father, I'm like, yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's definitely something about that film that it just kind of takes everything. Um, I think, you know, I liked a silent voice, but there were parts of it, like visually, that weren't 
I didn't think it was, it didn't suit everybody. Um, you know, and the music wasn't great. There was something about, you, you know, your name that kind of put all the pieces together, you know. Wait, the, you don't like the Rad Wimps, dude? I, th- I thought the... No, I uh, do. No, I, I do like that. I mean, Zen, uh, Zen, I was talking Zen, about a silent... Sekai song? No, I was talking about my honorable mention, A Silent Voice, which... Oh, okay. It was a yeah. it was a great story, but like it didn't have all those elements. And there was something about your name that like I don't know if he purposely tried to create the most mass like mass appealing animated movie or not. But it felt like yeah, it was like the art was so well done, and it's very different. It it's a very different yeah. quality than a Miyazaki film, which is more you know dreamlike and um I don't know Miyazaki quality. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got that feel to yeah. it. Yeah. His yeah. his has a very different, clean, colorful. Well, he also uses vibrant. the Joe Hisaishi uh, orchestra, so he's got that. The music has a sort of he had yes. to it, right? Right. In so Italy? you've got right. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, you can't. It's again, it's different music, and the music in Ghibli films fits them so perfectly. I mean, it's so well yeah. done. But as far as mass appeal, where you've got, you know, like a band that you're going to put on the radio and sell a million albums at the same time. And it's, well, that's what they did with rad wimps and they killed it. Uh, right. What that's about what I mean. Tanky no code. Did wh- wh- who, same, what same was group. the music used in that? Same rad group. Wimps. Okay. Yep. So he kept, he maybe kept he's latched on to the, the sort of musical. I didn't, I didn't think the songs were as good. It had a couple mm-hmm. that were, that were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. but there were like three or four, just in my opinion, hits in your name that, you know, really fit the yeah. mood especially early in the film where you wanted something fun and uplifting um i, I wonder if he's gonna stick with rad rad wimps you die well, yeah my wife did too we it's it, yeah. it's really good to listen to i wonder if he's going to continue with that continue using rad wimps for future films i have to imagine he is um they're the kind of they're the kind of band that i think is now tied to his films because i can't mm-hmm. see them creating an album and having it be as popular as if they created an album for one of his films. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that for sure, but just kind of my my sense about it. I recall them being really big um, like a decade ago, maybe. Really? Uh, in the in the junior high school, I remember. Okay. Yeah. Before maybe my decade, time, I'll have maybe to it was a little bit that. less than that. How long have they been around for? Rad Wimps. Because, yeah, my, my entire, you know... <laughs> Uh, frame of reference on Japanese music starts in 2014, and then the things that I've ran into along the way, uh, going yeah, backwards. So 2006 so. is when they uh, they had an album that or a single, or but it was made. never as big as as what this has done for them. I have to assume. Yeah, no, I, I imagine this just threw them through the roof. But they were already um, there were a couple of songs, uh, Okazu no Gohan in 2006, and then Order Made in 2008, then data in 2011 so they had like chart toppers and were super successful prior to the movies um but your name took them to the to the next level yeah i'll have to go listen to some of their uh older music put that on my list of things to do my kids they love that song uh whatever it is zen 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 sekai no bokura i don't don't, know yeah they fucking love that song dude they'll be singing it all the time it gets you. It gets you pumped. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's it fast does. tempo. It's catchy. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. It really puts some pep in your step, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it's a good um, song. Um, what's your What's your next one? Where are we at for you? Is that three or four? 
That's that's three. So okay, two and one. This was this was like for you. It was hard to to rank these, and they're no surprise here. Um, Kiki's delivery service and Totoro, and the reason why is these films were the Totoro like you it was the first animated. It was the first anime I'd ever seen, period, of any format or length. Um, and we got it on VHS when it came out. I think we just saw it at, like, Fred Meyer or something at the local grocery store. Um, they had it out when it came out. And, uh, you know, much like you do with your kids, I think my mom was always looking for new content. So it was like, sure, throw it in the cart, whatever. Keep you occupied. Um, yeah. And so we got it. I would have been – I would have been – when did it come out? When did it get dubbed? 95, maybe? Came when was it produced? 88 or something? It says it came out in 93. 93? Um, well, no, it came out in the States in 93. It was produced in 88. 88, okay. So, yeah, five-year yeah. lag to get to the States. And my guess is we didn't see it in 93. I, I'm thinking more like 94 or 95. If you watch other, like, Western films that were made in, in the in the 80s, the, the quality's just not there. Like, Well, it's, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't the money behind it that I think, you know, it wasn't as popular. And I think kids' entertainment, this is kind of a side, an aside, but I think kids' entertainment, especially in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, was kind of a throwaway. It wasn't fully... I don't know. It wasn't fully supported. And I think the nineties was an interesting, it was an interesting time to be a kid because I think, um, the nineties was really when people realized how much money there was behind like children's entertainment. So it's like, Oh wow. You know, that's when Disney really exploded with a lot of their, you know, if you look at the the films that Disney produced in the nineties with Aladdin and Lion King and, you know, Mulan and all of almost all of their top hits, in my opinion, came out in the nineties. Um, yeah. and TV quality production quality went way up for kids, uh, cartoons, things like that. Uh, cartoon network, I think really came into its own. So there was definitely a push in the nineties to increase the quality of kids entertainment because they realized how much money there was. Um, and I think that was because baby boomers, you had a large, you know, baby boomers were finally becoming parents. Most of them were, I, I think my mom was, the, one of the latest baby boomers in that cohort. But anyways, yeah, the money was finally there. And Totoro came out kind of at, at the, the front end of that when it was one of the first films that came out that was kind of like, oh, wow, this is way different than anything, you know, we've seen in America up until that point. Um, and yeah, so I mean, we watched if that. If you look at the, the stuff in, in America at the time, you're looking at like The Last Unicorn, uh, The Little Mermaid, uh, Transformers, the movie, The Land Before Time. And like, if you compare the animation in The Land Before Time, which was also made in 1988, and you run it side by side with Totoro, like Totoro, the quality is just off the, the charts. It's like so much better. Yeah, the only thing that could compete with it were a few of the Disney movies, maybe a handful, three or four of the Disney movies that were more recent, and everything else paled in comparison. Um, but as a kid, you don't really know that, right? Because I was maybe seven or eight, and my sister was, you know, maybe five when we first saw that movie. And so we didn't analyze it like that. But the way you kind of were talking about how, like, when you first saw it, you didn't get it. Well, there's something about as a kid when you're watching that movie, like, you don't have to get it. It's just like, it's no. fun. Yeah. Totoro is this yeah. giant guy and cat bus, and you're just. 
you oh, know, yeah. the music is if, if you're a like kid, you're having a great yeah, it doesn't time need to make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that movie was so influential for me as a kid. We probably watched that movie, I don't know, like 20 times um, that first year that we got it because it was just on all the time. And this was back before we had, you know, like you have your unlimited SD card playlist. You right. know, you've got you've got the six VHS tapes that you own. <laughs> and then maybe on Friday you get to go to Blockbuster and rent another one. So when you only have six you have movies. You have to rewind like, those bitches. Sometimes you they rewind get shot them. out. <laughs> yeah, I think we probably wore that one damaged. out. There's glitches so we, in it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we watched that one a lot. And then Kiki came out maybe a year or two later in the States, I want to say. Or maybe it was around the same time. Um, but we were definitely a little older when we got that one. And I think we got it because we knew it was, you know, by the same, it was by Miyazaki. Didn't know his name at the time, but he was the Totoro guy. Like, oh, the Totoro people made this. So we're going to, we're going to pick this up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I don't think I had any, I, at the time, I don't think I had a concept that like, like animated movies were directed or that anybody worked on them or they, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's the Totoro movie. Um, so we got Kiki and that movie for some reason really stuck in our household, that one we probably watched like a hundred times. I remember this one summer. We've probably seen just, that a hundred times too. The, it was just I mean, on. It's, yeah. It's definitely geared more towards girls, I, I think, because the main characters are, are female. I, I mean, obviously boys like it too. My son loves it. But like the girls in particular, Sakura and Marty, they're like, mm-hmm. they really connected with it. And um, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's, well, a great, the, it's, a, it's weird. It's not like the characters are not Japanese. You know, they're like, it's is this a foreign like what is this place what is this realm kind of you know like well and it almost and a like lot a European of, yeah. city <laughs> a lot of Miyazaki's films are like that right I feel like a lot of them are, are um, influenced by like Western Europe they've got kind yeah. of that yeah small town and you can't place the time I mean she's got a radio in that film but that's like but she herself you know, clearly but there's airships Japanese, blimps right yeah <laughs> like, yeah they're they're going to they're going to like witches for their potions for uh, healing. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's, they're just kind of out of time and space, you know, in their own fantasy world. Um, interesting thing about both of these films, but especially for, for Kiki. So these films were released in the early to mid nineties in the United States and they were dubbed. Um, we didn't, obviously we didn't get any of the Japanese versions until 15 years later or whatever. And you can get them online now, but you know, you had the English version and I don't think any of us knew they even came from Japan. So um, we watched them in English, loved them. And I can't remember who the original um, distributor was, but Disney ended up buying the rights to distribute all of the um, Miyazaki films, all the Ghibli films mm-hmm. uh, in general, actually. And so when Disney bought it, like I was talking about Billy Bob Thornton in uh, Princess Mononoke, uh, yeah. They decided that the only way these movies were going to sell to their expectation in the United States was putting in name, like household name actors yeah. into yeah. them. And so they went back and they decided, well, we're going to redub Totoro and Kiki and release it as a Disney film, um, which was terrible. They put in Dakota Fanning, who at the time was a big, a big celebrity as a child actor, actress. Um, don't know where she is now because she's long gone, but uh, it's kind of destroyed my sister and my uh, childhood because when Disney bought it, they were really the first ones to do DVDs. It was during that transition from VHS to DVD. So 
Mm-hmm. I managed to track down for Kiki. I managed to track down like one of the very few DVD releases of the original voice actors, um, because they had done one very short production run on a DVD. But to my knowledge, Totoro never got a DVD release with the original voices. Only the Disney, the messed up Disney version. And of course, when they changed the voices, they also changed the dialogue. You know, they went back, they retranslated some things. Maybe it's more accurate to the Japanese version, but it's not what I grew up with. So for me, it's it's off. And there was one thing about Kiki, which is interesting that you bring up that like it feels like it's more targeted towards girls because the main character is a girl. Well, in the original American dub, Gigi the cat has a lot more lines than he does in the Japanese version. He's I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen the full Japanese version, but apparently they added a lot. He's like this kind of sarcastic sidekick yeah, yeah, yeah. that does a lot of talking <laughs> in English. And yeah. so I always liked Gigi was kind of my favorite character in that movie. And I even, you know, right now on my way out of Japan, um, when I was <laughs> leaving after teaching there the first time, uh, I was in the airport and they, of course they've got, you know, a bunch of Ghibli uh, stuff at the airport for us goddamn weeaboos that are leaving the country. And uh, <laughs> I had I had a bunch of cash in my wallet that I needed to get rid of um, because I'm leaving and I didn't really want to mess with trying to like convert it when I got home. So I'm walking around the airport trying to spend all my like maybe like 100 bucks or 120 bucks, something like that. And uh, yeah, I found this giant GG stuffed animal. And I'm like, well, this takes care of my problem. <laughs> so, so I ended up buying that and... So anyways, yeah, I was really disappointed when uh, Disney redid it. They got rid of most of his most of his lines um, and kind of ruined that movie for me. So um, Totoro is the same way. But it's interesting that you talk about Totoro, like that aesthetic, that countryside aesthetic. So a lot of the people that I've or that we that we know that have, you know, gone out to the, the countryside of Nagano. And um, I'm thinking of a couple people in particular. uh really, it feels like they really don't like the countryside. They're not a fan of it. You know, it's like, I'm never coming back to this town ever again. As soon as I'm gone, that seems to be the general uh, feeling from some of the people I talk to. And for me, when I got out to Tatashina, I was like in love because for me, this is like, oh my God, this is right out of Totoro. Like this is the Japan I wanted to come visit. So when I come back and like visit and I want to come out to the middle of nowhere and hang out, it's like, for me, that is Japan. You know, Tokyo is fun, but there's something, you know, magical and nostalgic almost for me um, about the Japanese countryside because of how well it's depicted in Totoro. So for me, that's definitely my number one just for being the first one that I'd ever seen and kind of what it, you know, meant to me at the time and what it ended up meaning after living there. And so it's it's definitely it's also harder to go back and watch. I've noticed like if you go back and try to watch Totoro as an adult. It's like, ooh, this is (laughs) like, it's definitely the magic isn't as strong as an adult as it was when I was a kid and everything was kind of, yeah. so some of the stuff I try not to watch too often just because I like, I like the way I think about it probably more than I'd want to watch it again. But uh, yeah, Totoro is amazing. And it, and I think it speaks, I was just going to say, I think it speaks to the strength of, of, of the film that it still is popular today with kids as it was 30 years ago. Um, I don't know if, did I link you the flash mob video where they play um, the theme song? They're in Japan and it's a flash mob where the band members come out and they just start playing the Totoro 
opening theme song. And more and more uh, instruments start being added and like kids come running from all over this really busy wherever they were like shopping, outdoor shopping center type place. And the kids are just like freaking out and the parents are like having fun. And it's like, oh, you've got multiple generations of people that still from like 100 yards out know this song immediately and want to come listen to it. So it just feels very iconic. It is. It's probably the most iconic. Um, I was just thinking, you got me thinking about like um, Disney's voice actors and, and you know, Porco Rosso, Kurenai uh, Buta, the, the film about the pig that flies the plane. Did you know another, that that was Michael Keaton? I didn't. That's another one I've never seen, actually. <laughs> you haven't seen that one? Okay. All it right. was a, It was uh, a pig flying a plane. I was like, eh. Even as a kid, I was like, eh. <laughs> I don't know about this. I Yeah. I wonder... If, you know, you know, there's the, the English saying, you know, if, if pigs could fly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they picked it up from that. And they're just like, fuck, let's make a movie about <laughs> pigs that fly. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting because um, Miyazaki's always kind of had a thing about flight, right? That's kind of why his last film yeah. was supposed to be The Wind Rises. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's definitely throughout his his work, you know, flight is a common theme you know castle in the sky you've got um you yeah know, the flight scene in um spirited away uh yeah there's just a lot almost every i want to say almost every film even totoro can fly you know kiki's flying every everything has to fly so yeah yeah nasuka she she flies um definitely um what is it when the wind rises uh, mm-hmm. He really kind of gets into his fascin- fascination with like, you know, World War II. Uh, I think that was really his passion project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we didn't, we didn't like that one very much, the whole family, but like, you know, even. It was an interesting depiction of the great earthquake at the beginning though. But, but yeah, the earthquake scene was ridiculous. Like I, yeah. I love that scene. So like if yeah. I was going to think, if I was going to make like a list of like, you know, top 10, Ghibli scenes that would definitely be high on the list you could tell he didn't think he was going to make another film after this he's like I'm just going for it like because normally I don't think he would have put that into one of his you know films did you see the one about the 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 what is it the uh the sea turtle I forget the the name of it sea turtle very recent one um I think it was a Ghibli one uh the red turtle I don't think so. 2016. I think this was post retirement, right? It might have been. Was it a was it a Ghibli movie that Miyazaki was out for? I know his son tried to take over, right? And then that was like so so and like half of the animators left to found their own or yeah, to to make their own studio. And they did um The Witch's Flower, which was interesting. I mean, it wasn't bad. That wasn't on the list actually, now that I think about it. Have you seen that one? Um, which one? Um, uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. What's the Japanese name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have seen that. We do have that. Um, we, I think it was all right. We enjoyed that one. But the Red Turtle, we, we had to like stop watching it. It was so sad. It was like... <laughs> really? <laughs> the kids were like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but let's give it a chance. This is, this, this is the same guy who made Totoro. Let's give him a, let's give him a shot here. Um, we had to, we had to stop the, to- the Totoro guy. 
Yeah, by the way, um, I'm at the GibliFandom.com wiki right now, and like, I love the fact, I've never been here before, I love the fact that the cursor is a little Makurokuroske, the little dust bunny. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, anyway, the red, the okay, red it was, turtle, it was It was produced it. by Ghibli, but it, yeah, no. Okay. Directed by like a French guy, come on. All right. Dutch. Well, he's he, Dutch. He, he fucked us all, dude, because my kids were crying. We had to turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> but it got nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If you're an adult, I, you might want to watch it. But like you see Ghibli and you think, okay, let's let's watch this with the family. This will be interesting. And then you put this on. Your kids are crying and screaming, what the fuck is this? And <laughs> You got to turn it off. It's a bad play, parents. Don't stay away from the red turtle. That's my only advice to you. All right. It looks like I was right at the beginning of the show, by the way. Um, it was, let me confirm. Yeah, it was your name that did not get a nomination for um, the Academy Award in a year hmm. where. Let's see, 2017. It was Loving Vincent, Ferdinand, The Breadwinner, The Boss Baby, and then Coco won the award. So that that was the lineup that year. You know, I forgot to to mention honorable mention for me. I would I would definitely include Howl's Moving Castle, um, the Castle in the Sky, Laputa. I would include that in like. I mean, these are Ghibli films, but like. Absolutely amazing. My kids love the cat returns. Um, what else? I went on, yeah, I went on a kick, a Ghibli kick, maybe two or three years ago, where I decided I was going to buy and watch the ones that I hadn't seen. Um, yeah. Well, the ones that were directed by Miyazaki, primarily. Okay. I'm not yeah. sure they all were, uh, but the cat returns was on that one. Um, yeah. When, uh, what was it? When uh, Marnie was there which was kind yeah. of a different end of his yeah. career type film, uh, The Wind Rises. I haven't I haven't seen that in English yet, and I feel like every time we were watching it, it was in the car and I was driving, so I still haven't figured out what that's all about. Um, it's kind of a strange one. Yeah. Okay. I, I was Ar- left, like We loved The Secret World of Ardietti. That was a, that was a that great one? film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's considered a, like pedestrian of all the Ghibli films. They're like, it was kind of bleh, but whatever. It's still in the list. I, but <laughs> that's how I feel about Marnie. Like, no, I, I think that uh That's how I feel about Marnie too. And but it's only an impression for me because yeah. I, I didn't actually No, I thought A already um, was was great and I think it was definitely better than the uh was it a Disney, like the live action little borrowers movie they did in the nineties. That thing was uh was atrocious. So it was nice to wait, see the what? source material. Yeah, do you remember? so it was based on the little the little borrowers, oh, right? Oh, the borrowers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh I don't I think, think I've it seen was Disney that, or though. one of those studios did a live action okay. version in the 90s and it was terrible with um what's his name from uh Roseanne. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, Dan? that was a terrible film. From Roseanne? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he plays like the John greedy Goodman. land landlord or whatever or like land developer. Okay. Anyways, he's trying to like exterminate them. Brings in like exterminators to try to kill them and it was a really bad movie anyways so that website yeah. that you had the 100 best anime of for it's included uh the secret world of rdit but it's like, like 98 right it's 90 something the comment is it's like 2010 
but like the commentary um, that they have on no, here. No, I mean, like, it's place on the list rather. Oh yeah, sorry, it is 98. So the comment is like, all in all, it's a satisfactory debut, an average entry in Studio Ghibli's otherwise stellar filmography with no especially high moments, but a serviceable portrayal of a well-loved story that's sure to play well with children. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I, it, I, I would put this leagues above when Marnie was there, like, mm-hmm. personally. Well, it, it did, uh, it was, it did what Ghibli great. does really well, and that was that kind of um, magical, fun, you know, world. I, I feel like the best Ghibli films are the ones that are more outside of the norm. Like, yeah. I, I know Marnie was there. I guess there was kind of like a spiritual element to it to some degree. Um but it's just it's. I feel like it was kind of outside the scope of what Ghibli does really, really well. Uh, whereas Already, I think, was like right, right in the wheelhouse. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess what did it say about Marnie? I know that's on the list too. Uh, good question. Um, let me see if I can find it. So when Marnie was there, two thousand fourteen. Um, David Foster Wallace once said that every love story was a ghost story. He easily could have been describing the spirit of when Marnie was there. The second film directed by Hiromasa Yonebayashi um, and the last Ghibli production before the studio's hiatus following Miyazaki Hayao and Isao Takahata's retirement in 2013. Uh, da, 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 da. An emotionally affecting depiction of female friendship that cruises along patiently like a quiet boat trip across a moonlit lake. Hmm. Just what I want from a Ghibli I film. I don't know. I need, I need to watch it in English because, uh, to be honest with you, with it playing in the background in Japanese while I'm driving, I didn't really get an idea of what was going on. Um, or maybe I just need to watch it. The I don't know if I have the time to do this, but like, just watch it again in Japanese and see if I can figure it out because it didn't really make that much sense to me, to be honest with you. You know, I couldn't, I, I just watched it a couple of years ago. I couldn't tell you the plot of that movie if I tried. Like that's the kind of lack of impression that it left on me. Yeah, I don't feel like it had a plot. Did it have a plot? I don't know. It, it did. I'm not sure. I think Marnie yeah. was dead. Marnie was a ghost. Spoiler alert. Okay. Marnie, it, like yeah. the sixth sense, Marnie was dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but I could be that wrong. That's just what I took away from it. Yeah. Anyway, looking through this list, um, I was one thing that I didn't spend time doing that I thought uh, might be worthwhile is pulling up movies that my kids like that weren't listed on the list. Um, and I didn't actually spend any time doing this, but just now I thought Patima Inverted was one film that I know that, that we watched that my kids liked that I didn't see on the list. Um, that I think would be better than a few of the titles on the list. So I don't know. I'm sure there's a number of Japanese animation films that I've seen and that we've enjoyed as a family that didn't mm-hmm. make the list. I just didn't, yeah, uh, didn't make it. It's a hard good to tell yeah, of that. how quality the list is or who made it or, um, yeah. One thing I'll say, if you go to, if you're, if you have the list pulled up, you go to number 70, Gyo, Tokyo fish attack. And you look at that screenshot, that screen grab. What, I mean, what do you think this film is about? If you just, just looking at that picture without <laughs> reading the, <laughs> I think that should be the the cover of the the episode. 
No, that's not gonna be the cover of the episode. <laughs> it's, gotta, it's gotta be the cover of the episode. No way, dude. That is that is ridiculous. Don't it's you like want to show that to the kids? Button. Yeah, it's like a shark. Is it is it in a suit? Are those it's guns? Like a, I can't tell. It's like a shark. Oh, it's like a spider. It's like a spider a with a shark face. It's a shark spider. It's a shark spider coming through a front door and then people screaming. Shark spider. Attack of the shark spider. Is that what this is about? That's what it looks uh, it like. Is a, it is a Japanese horror fiction anime. Um, it's, it's, it's by a, one of the most celebrated names in contemporary Japanese horror fiction. So clearly it's got to be. It's Amazing. a story Anyways. that revolves around a young couple who are assaulted by a horde of homicidal fish monsters with mechanical spider legs. <laughs> it's sh- it's shark spiders. That's what they are. <laughs> oh, that's great! Robot, robot shark spiders. Um, yeah, I I really want to see uh, Rojin Z now though, <laughs> old man Z, who. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a few on this list. I'll probably want to watch Redline. I haven't ever gotten around to doing that. Uh, and Mind Games. The description for Mind Games uh, really piqued my interest. So <laughs> it's, it says Mind Games is like witnessing a seven-hour ayahuasca trip encapsulated in a feature-length film. Impressionistic wow, that... to avant-garde and above all, unique. Sounds like Joe Rogan's Conf- type of thing. Yeah, confusing and exhilarating. Uh, it'll sh- shock to the. It's a shock to the senses, and it's just shy of impossible to forget. Okay, but I couldn't about, find any t- torrents for oh, that either. What about no, Ghost that, in the Shell? That's that's several of the movies are on this list. I haven't heard you mention that's it. A, yeah, so I downloaded that and I, I do intend to watch it. But that's another film that I haven't seen. I want to think. I feel like I made. I, I feel like I tried to watch Ghost in the Shell and Akira back when I was playing a lot of online poker and it was mm-hmm. just like on in the background and I didn't really pay attention to it. So, um, yeah, Akira's, yeah, Akira, Redline, and Ghost in the Shell, I probably want to give those a go. Again. I'm going to have to watch Akira just based on how much praise it seems to get. And I know nothing about it. I know nothing about the plot. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners are probably screaming at their at the uh, computer screen right now, or wherever you're listening to this mobile podcast. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, make a point to watch it eventually. I think I'll probably rewatch Tekong King Crete, which you'd think it would be Tekong Concrete, but it's Tekong King Crete. Anyway, uh, I watched that uh, back in the day, also probably while I was playing poker, and it seemed. Kind of interesting. Um, kind What's of weird. What's it about? Just like the Ascon? It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, Only it's Patreon about, listeners uh, know what we're talking about there. <laughs> right. Uh, let me let me pull it up. It's... Uh, it is... Wow, it's got a... It's the first major anime feature that um, didn't have... A Japanese director, so it's got a gaijin director, but it's probably animated by Japanese people. Anyway, it it follows the story of two orphan thieves and street fighters who rule over a sort of metropolitan sprawl known as Treasure Treasure Town, and it follows these uh, these little street fighting orphan brats around as they do their thing. It's kind of weird. Uh, I watched this in Japanese while playing poker, so I'm not sure how much of I un- I understood, but um, I remember being intrigued by it uh, at the very least. 
So maybe give that an honorable mention. Well, dude, that's so all I got. We, I know. Yeah, I'm about done. My question is, are we going to do an animated series review? Are you going to talk about your kid's favorite cartoon shows <laughs> that she watched in the car? Uh, yeah, I mean, most of the stuff we watch these days is non-Japanese, you know, cartoon shows like um, Boss Baby, for example. Boss Baby, <laughs> big really, one, yeah. Nominated yeah, for an Academy Award, don't you know? Well, not just the film, but which they liked, but like there's also the Netflix show now. But we watch, we watch a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of Netflix shows that they like, including Shira, for example. So a lot of I feel it is like they were watching a lot of uh, some horse show. Was there a horse show when I was there last? Some kind of uh, striking as Canadian. Was, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There was that one show, Spirit or Spirit uh, something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think they, that was they, it, dude, maybe. They watch so much Netflix. It's ridiculous. They, I mean, if you can pull up a show for kids on Netflix, odds are they've seen it. Let me just put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> but like Japanese stuff, like I think that like the only thing that we watch regularly would be, um, like we didn't even watch Yokai Watch really that much. A few maybe back in the day, Asahi, I think. But like um, Oshiri Tante. Oh, no, no, Everyone's no. Favorite. There's one. There's a uh, Gegege no Kitaro. Is that what it is? The, the, the guy, the ghost kid or whatever? I, well, I think we kind of talked about this last time, but the other part of it I didn't talk about is, isn't there like a ton of like toys and stickers and books and like all that, you know, comics and things that are targeted uh-huh. at kids, like based on the TV show? Like, yeah, maybe they don't, maybe you don't yeah, take yeah, them yeah. to the mall enough to like see that stuff and like want to go home and watch the show. We we that, don't want to really... take our kids to the mall too much because yeah you just they end up just wa- wanting stuff having right. like material wants so you're just like so go watch the American stuff you're not going to see that in in stores around here go watch what go watch the American stuff the you're American not going to see stuff. that that's, oh yeah, yeah cartoons you're not going to see that in stores around here we don't have to buy you anything right yeah no I mean I guess th- there are some Japanese shows that they like a lot so Gegege no Kitaro is a story about like um. It's it's one of those, it's kind of like Yokai Watch. There's tons of different ghosts and goblins that appear in the show. Mm. Uh, so it's got that similar motif. Very you know like it's weird. That stuff tends to do pretty well. Like Yokai, Yo, are you familiar with Yokai Watch? Like all the only, different ghosts only, and goblins the ex- and stuff like that. Only to the extent that it was supposed to be like the next Pokemon. And then I mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, I don't think this is going to connect with the Western audience. I don't think. Anybody in the United, like kids right. in the United States are not going to care about yokai, Japanese yokai. And sure yeah. enough, it kind of died. But I remember my first trip back in 2018. Uh-huh. I mean, the merchandise was everywhere. Every tourist location you went to, you know, it's like I went to, yeah. I think I went to Skytree and they had like the yokai watch Skytree collaboration where it's like everything was, <laughs> well, yokai it, watch. it was huge. It was out of control. Here. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's big. Very big. Um, Gegege no Kitaro is not as big, but also, you know, rather popular show. Um, don't I, have like I, can, a, I don't think I would have much to contribute if we did a podcast about um, TV anime series. I wouldn't really yeah, know enough. I, I've kind of fallen behind, too. I don't know what's going on now. It Once might upon be a time, though, interesting, I was, though, to like I look at it and see if we can pull up like a top 10 list and delve into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into seeing what we can do. If we can find another good list, maybe we'll know more than we think we do. Anyways, yeah. um, I'm going to, I guess we'll wrap it up here because this is way longer than you like to edit. Way longer <laughs> than you like to edit. I probably won't edit this one. I'll probably just throw it up, maybe. 
This is two you hours, say, dude. No, you say that every time, and then you complain to me for the next like six hours. Well, yeah, then oh, I hear, I then I hear it. us like oh. talking over each other, like we're doing right now, and coughing, and I'm like, oh my god, this sounds yeah. horrible, and I end up having it's, to edit it. But it's I'll fine. probably it's just anime. throw this up as is. <laughs> They'll love it anyways. What's not to love? I hope so. We'll see. All right, dude. I'm gonna go jump on some kittens. They're so damn cute, fun to play with. Um, I'm glad we could do this. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's outside of our normal scheduled Monday morning sync up, but um, it was fun. Let's do it again next week. Yeah, we're gonna back to back to normal time next week. Yeah, let's bring some maybe touch on some news. I didn't really want to talk about news. Is a the little fact serious that America right now. Is I'm, imploding I'm right now, but maybe we news, could yeah. talk. Yeah, maybe we could talk about the fact that America is imploding and see where you guys are at next Monday. And then we could talk about the fact that in the uh, Deep in Japan podcast uh, group, some Aussie called me out for being (laughs) a racist. (laughs) We could explore that. Uh, And then he like immediately just left the group, which was nice of him. I don't have to take out the trash if it takes itself out. So You wouldn't wouldn't ban somebody for free speech i know i i wouldn't I, that's not my thing if somebody wants to call me a racist to hey have at i kept asking him like how is this racism like how are you defining racism because anyway <laughs> if that sounds like something you want this was probably the biggest thread that we've had in the group thus far it was like something I, we're almost at 300 comments at this point yeah and um off. i think we've already digressed into godwin's law i th- I think there was somebody was compared to hitler there maybe me at some point <laughs> <laughs> anyway um we either can or i'd be i'd be interested i'd week. be interested in exploring the issue that he that the original post was talking about um yeah and yeah. then your feelings on it i think that'd be really interesting because that's yeah the the issue yeah. at hand i thought was really interesting um not something that I would typically think of. I have some thoughts about about that. So yeah, that'd be an interesting topic to discuss for sure. Cool. Yeah. Maybe we could get the guy to to, uh, to join as well. I don't know. Maybe not yeah, necessary. He wrote it all out for us, but he, he did I, a I guess good it doesn't job really of explaining what, it. He did. He did a very very good job of explaining it. And then there. I was want the update. I want to know if he went in and apologized or. I, yeah, I think he would have. Um, anyway. I don't know who he apologized to, whether he apologized to his co he probably apologized to his coworkers and left it at that. Yeah, we can maybe we can touch on that and just uh I'll check in with you and see if your house has been burned down yet, maybe next week and how you're doing yeah. on that front. I heard a lot of sirens outside earlier, so but we're still standing. <laughs> Hopefully America's still intact next week and we can uh chit chat about all the latest. Sounds good. Have a good one, man. Yeah, see you later. Hey, this is Jeff again. If you enjoy the show, please give a thought to becoming a sponsor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help make sure that the Deep in Japan podcast continues to be independent and ad-free. Head over to patreon.com and make a pledge today. And if you're not sure how to find us, the link is in the show notes. Thank you so much. Oh,